When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning and welcome to episode 81 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined by my co-host John Shipley. John, appreciate you filling in last week, previewing the Bucks game. Um, I'm happy to be joining you right now, even though I feel like we're, there's going to be less for the two of us to talk about. The, the good morning just doesn't hit the same. When I, I, I want you to know that it it very much felt like I was being a fraud. And I will say, while you were gone, I took, you know, your your torch of proclaiming a Calvin Ridley week. Oh, Locked in two touchdowns. There we go. We had may, maybe I'm the key to the Calvin Ridley's production success. Every time you say it's a really week, he produces like Parker Washington. So maybe I should be the I sh- maybe I should be the one who, you know. Starts hyping him up a little bit, but it's good to have, <laughs> it, it's good to have you back, buddy. Not going to lie, talking to myself for 30 minutes, I could probably do it for a few hours, but not sure how entertaining that is for others, so glad to have you back. It's good to be back. Uh, yeah, I guess we kind of, I don't even know if we have a lot to talk about or a little bit to talk about, but I was telling you before this that I was going back to watch the game, and I stopped in the second quarter. I was like, why even bother? Just everything was bad. The secondary, the D-line, the O-line the receivers, the quarterback even, the play calling, um, the tackling, the communication, so, the special so it was, defense, everything. It was just brutal all the way around, it felt like. I don't even know. It was, where a, it was a 30 to 12 loss to a 7 and 7 team, and it was still worse <laughs> that score says. It was like 30 to 0 before, you know, the Buccaneers basically were like, all right, you guys can do whatever you want. Like The, the Buccaneers like looked like, like just from – I wasn't at the game. I know some people were like, they were surprised more media wasn't down there. It's Christmas Eve. Get real. <laughs> Get real. Get real. Um, but you could see, like, on the broadcast, like, the Buccaneers, like, basically it looked like they thought they had that game won in the first half, which, I mean, they did. You know, it yeah, was, they weren't wrong. <laughs> just start off with this. Was that the worst game of the Doug Peterson era to you? I think it is. And I think that's, like, the fourth different game this year that you can classify that. I think the Houston game in week three, 
because Houston was so severely depleted and then the offense was terrible, the defense was terrible, and special teams was terrible. I think the 49ers and what was it, week 10, just because yeah. you got completely steamrolled. Like I know the 49ers are the NFL's second best team right now, but still Absolutely. yeah. I I'd say the Cleveland game was honestly up there because it took like some garbage time and some like lucky turnovers to even make that like a semi close game, but they, they just got dog walked by Cleveland's uh, offense. And then they turned it over four times. I think this game was worse than any of those, you know, when you factor in the opponent, I think it was worse than last year's lions game. I thought this was the worst game of Doug Peterson era. There is nothing positive I can say other than, Tyler Lacey made two nice tackles in the run game, and Elijah <laughs> Cooks had a good drive. Other than that, oh, and Anton Harrison allowed zero pressures. I I thought our rewatch Anton Harrison was fantastic. He's he's legitimately their best offensive lineman, you know, right now for the season. I'd say so. Other than those three, like very minor positives, right? I don't think there's anything nice <laughs> you can say about this game. <laughs> Yeah, I was also thinking about both the primetime losses, the Bengals game and the Ravens game were both pretty disappointing just because there was so much excitement about being on Monday and Sunday night football just to fall completely flat. And, like, the thing about every single one of these losses this season is that it's, like, the same issues. It's that the Jags beat themselves, not the they just lose to a better team. Like, that kind of sort of happened week 10. But week 10 was really a case of both instances. And so – like, it's been frustrating to listen to Doug like, at the mic week after week kind of saying the same stuff because every time it's just them shooting themselves in the foot. It was, like, sort of funny to talk about in weeks one and two, uh, but you kind of figured that things would turn around by the end of the season, and that's just the opposite of what's happened. They're 8-7 and seven right now, and they were 8-7 and seven at this time last year, and then they're just going in complete opposite directions. Were they really 8-7 and seven at this time last year? I saw a tweet saying that, so – if that's, I'm wrong, I wasn't wrong. That's insane. I I want to say they were seven and eight this time last year because they won their last two games. You know, they beat the Texans and the Titans. So I think that is partially wrong, but still, nonetheless, you started off six and two, you started off eight and three, and you're now eight and seven. I'm not sure there's a team playing worse football over the last month than the Jaguars. Like what? What have they done well over the last month? I thought Lawrence was fantastic against the Bengals, but outside of that, like they they keep turning the ball over. They are tied with the Jets for the most turnovers in the last month. They're not creating turnovers. They have one of the worst turnover differentials in that time. They are one of the worst teams at fumbling the ball. They've fumbled the ball nine times in the last four games. They haven't lost all of those, but just fumbling the ball that much is absolutely insane. And Trevor's throwing interceptions at a high clip. And the thing is, I think Doug said today, both the interceptions from the Tampa Bay game were like receivers and the quarterback, again, not being like on the same page for the cold play at all. You go back to, what, two interceptions against the Browns being like that, and that's four. Uh, Parker Washington not running the right route and Trevor getting hurt. That's another like similar type play, Like those things just keep popping up. And that's, that's what I think is most concerning for them is they're executing poorly because like, I, I think press Taylor's done a bad job this year. You know, I like, I, I, especially over this last month. Yeah, I know. I know that's your guy. I'm sorry. 
my guy, you keep coming back like every other episode and being like, I think Press Taylor caught an okay game. I mean, granted, the last time he did that was over a month ago. It wasn't yeah. <laughs> like, I, like you've said a couple of different times, like in specific spots this season, that he's done a good job. And like, I, I've probably agreed with you. So I'm I'm in the wrong too, but. I think there have been a, my issue is I don't think like people can 100% say, you know, like press Taylor, like uh, he, he's a witch, you know, like, like, it, like it's him, like it's all press Taylor, you know, I think he's okay. a huge part of it, but I also think one, they, they just look, I, I think when they look as poorly coached as they have over the last month, I think that has to go to, to the coaching staff and both the players, but I mean, especially the coaching staff. Uh, I, I don't think like Doug Peterson, like he doesn't have a magic wand. Like if Doug Peterson took back the play calling from press Taylor, I don't, I'm not sure how much of a difference that would make. Cause it's not like he's not super heavily involved anyways. You know what I mean? Right. So I do think a lot of it is like their actual like execution and stuff. Like, I don't think press is the one out there turning the ball over as often as he is, but I do think press is the one who, you know, obviously being put in bad situations as an offense. And you saw that against Tampa Bay. The running backs had what, like seven combined carries, I think? Definitely less than ten. I, I don't know if they had a design run in the second half. And I get it. You're, you're down 20 to zero. But that game was, what, three to zero at one point? Ten to zero at one point? Thirteen to zero at one point? Yeah, they were, doing, they were doing okay on the ground until the Dearness, like, messed up handoff. And then at that point, they just abandoned it. And like that, and that's my thing, and that's something which, you know, I've heard too from you know, outside of uh, this podcast, <laughs> like you know, people like inside that you need to at least attempt to run the ball, even if you can't run the ball, you have to attempt to run it, because if you're just trying to drop back fifty times a game, you're going to get absolutely tee off against. I think that's part of the reason why Lawrence has been. Like, a, I don't know, if somebody has a voodoo doll of him or something in every different game, there's, like, <laughs> like, a different part of his body. I think that's part of it. I think with this offensive line, you can't ask them to pass pro that much against really any defensive front. So, you, I mean, if you want to, like, point the fingers for why this game went off the rails, I think you need, like, a couple different hands to be able to point enough fingers at. But I think when you want to talk about the offense coordinator issue, that to me has been the big issue is that it doesn't look like they want to run the ball. It doesn't look like they can run the ball. And honestly, it doesn't look like they know how to run the ball. Like, I don't think they have a good running scheme. I, I haven't felt like that all year. I felt like they had a better one last year. Yeah. And I, I think that's a huge part of it. And I also, I don't know. it. To me, what this game settled in is that their offseason was officially – Regardless of if they go in these next two games and like win by like 30 points each game and they go into the playoffs on fire, et cetera, even if that happens, it won't. <laughs> even if that happens, <laughs> their off season strategy was still an undebatable failure, in my opinion. It was every general manager, in my opinion, in the NFL is arrogant. I think you probably have to be arrogant to do that job. The Jaguars yeah. had one of the most arrogant off seasons I can remember of any team in the last couple of years. They went nine and eight with a couple of miracle wins. They needed a controversial Josh Dobbs, like fumble, non-fumble, to even get them into the playoffs. And they said, this is actually good. 
You know, like, this is fine. This doesn't need to be upgraded. Brenton Strange and Tank Bixby, I don't think it's hyperbolic. As things stand today, are the worst tight end and running back selections of this current decade. Mm. Considering where they were picked. Brenton Strange is like 47th out of 52 rookie tight ends and yards per route ran over the last three or four years. And all the guys below him, or it's like two third-round picks who were like Hunter Long and Trey McKitty, obviously awful players from the jump. They're on second teams, fifth-round pick, and then like four or five undrafted free agents. Strange was a second-round pick. Tank Bixby has six snaps over the last five weeks, and he was a third-round pick. Like I, I'm not going to be gaslit. <laughs> people say, well, who would you have picked? No. I said these are stupid picks at the time. A lot of people said they were stupid picks at the time, and I don't put it at all on the players. I don't think Tank's a bad pick because he's a bad player. You know, right. you, you can debate that all you want. I don't think Strange was a bad pick because he's a bad player. It's a bad pick because – the idea that they thought that they were good enough to take a third string tight end and a backup running back in the top 100 this year is so asinine. Like I'm working myself up now because yeah. like, I, the, I don't care about whether the Jaguars win or lose at all. Like from like in my job, I literally couldn't care less if they went 0-17. But when I'm being gaslit into people telling me, no, you're crazy. No, you're wrong. That That's, that's when I get worked up a bit. And that's what I feel about their off season is, I'm sorry, I was being told a million different directions, whether it's from fan base, whether it's from like like team itself. No, like you guys are wrong. These are actually good picks. We don't draft for now. We draft for five years down the road or whatever. No, you can draft for now. You can draft for now. There are playoff teams who are getting contributions from their rookie class. Well, before last week, one of the Ravens' most impactful offensive players was an undrafted rookie. Like, come on. I'm I'm upset again. Even like a team that's like coming off a Super Bowl appearance, like a, the Chiefs or the Eagles, like if they drafted like a backup tight end and a backup running back in the second round, like people should still be furious at that. Like even if they're like saying, oh, our roster right now is fine and we can kind of like go after these positions, then like, no, like you got to stay aggressive and keep picking premium positions. Like the Chiefs have been taking a lot of corners and edges in the first round and then the uh, Eagles are doing their thing, taking a lot of trench players in the first round. And like, I mean, you gotta be more aggressive. I feel like we've both been saying that like since April is that like this team has like the bones to be able to make it through the regular season. At this point they haven't, but like neither of us were confident they were going to do anything past the first round in the playoffs because like there, it was just like a false stream last year's uh, events of like the late season run where like, yeah, it was great, but that doesn't make you a Super Bowl contender for this year. And like, Going back to the Bucks game a little bit, I feel like both coordinators and the quarterback are kind of being forced to press to like make up for the lack of depth around them because like the Jaguars have definitely been stricken by the or struck strucken stricken by the injury bug this year. Sure. But that happens to every team. And so like you need guys to step up. And like it's one thing when like no one steps up to like make a lot of plays and be like a Pro Bowl caliber player. But it's another thing when like there's no one stepping up at the bottom of the roster too to just like make you a capable team to like win games late in the season. And so like, I feel like not that it like removes blame from the coordinators or the quarterback, but I feel like they're kind of like being forced into mistakes because they feel like they have to like carry more weight on their shoulders. And like, but I agree with you in general where like it all kind of like goes back to like the way the roster was constructed in the past year. Or we got ball- of construction. Everybody got bulky ball. Like that, 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 that to me, like if you told me point one finger at 
who was responsible for this season. It's going up top, man. The architect that 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 to me is like you hit the nail on the head. To me, it's a talent issue. You know, like when I, I know they have injuries at wide receiver. Not a lot of teams can sustain injuries to two starting wide receivers. But I mean, just simply looking at the Jaguar stuff, they could have used a backup receiver more, and they could have used Brent Change and. It, I, I feel like now people can finally stop taking victory laps on like Parker Washington. Like he seems like a okayish six round pick, you know. But like I saw, I think it was from the podcast BCP Couch, who was like, some teams draft Puka Nakua on day three, some teams draft Parker Washington, and people gave him hell. And they're like, no, Parker's been good. Like, no, no like there are levels to this, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> And that, you know, just to me sums up where everything's gone wrong this season was just the overconfidence, arrogance, ignorance, you know, in terms of team building. And now you're seeing it bleed into because I do think when you watch Lawrence play, I do think you're seeing a quarterback who's pressing. Like, yeah, he, he's obviously making mistakes. I had some people telling me they thought Sunday was the worst game he's ever played. I, I disagree with that. I'm, I'm like, tell me. I want anybody like tell me if that's the case. Tell me his three worst plays. And you're gonna say two interceptions and the fumble. Well, two interceptions, miscommunications and the fumble. Should have got rid of the ball, you know, when like you obviously know they're bringing more people than you have to protect. But I'm still it's hard for me to kill a quarterback too much when they fumble the ball, when they're just overwhelmed from a pressure and a blitz standpoint. I thought he's had like a dozen games worse than the one he had on Sunday, but you can tell watching him, he's clearly pressing. I mean, the way he got hurt was a perfect example of it. He dived out of bounds when it was 30 to zero at the end of the third quarter and of hurting himself like that. That to me is a Jaguars like season and Trevor Lawrence in a nutshell. So he's definitely not playing good football. He has what eight turnovers in the last three games. I'd say he had sounds right. Three against Cleveland. Two against Baltimore and then three against Tampa Bay. So, eight turnovers in three weeks. I'm not going to excuse that, obviously, but I I do think that there's levels to it, and you know, really, you know, other areas of blame to go to. I I I I'm not interested at all in any long term conversations about Trevor Lawrence because I think you can see as a whole the offense just simply is not good. They can't run the ball. They can't block. They're not very – they're clearly not well-coached at wide receiver right now. I, I don't know what positives you can say uh, about the offense. And did did you watch any of when C.J. Beathard came in? Uh, barely. I was just kind of like writing at that point. I, 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 I watched the first two passes, but then when Engram fumbled that one, I was – I basically checked out. I've seen takes that people saying the offense moved better when CJ went in. And even if you ignore the context of it was like 30 to six, I just want to shake them. Gus. I'm like, what were you watching? <laughs> Do you think that offense moved better? Like, was I the only one who saw him try to gift an interception to Evan McPherson or whatever the hell that dude's name is? <laughs> Evan McPherson. Was, was that, that's not his name, is it? That's the genius kicker. Oh, <laughs> I don't God. even know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know, you know, McCollum, something like that. The, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it was one of the worst passes. It's the worst passage I've ever scored back at Stone this year. So when I see people say that stuff, 
I'm, I'm not going to engage in too many Trevor arguments with the fan base because I get it. Fan is short for fanatic. You're hurt. You want somebody to blame. I understand. Just rest your head right here. Go ahead. <laughs> let it all out. Let it out. <laughs> I'll tell you how you're wrong later, but go ahead and let it out. I'm not going to be the guy who says, no, Trevor Lawrence is actually playing well right now. But I will be the guy who says Trevor Lawrence is far and away their best player on offense, even in this current skid. And the issues go so far beyond him. And like I, I just I thought this game was a perfect microism of their issues as a team. You know, they just they don't have the horses. And I think that goes, you know, right up to the very tippy top. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's a good way to sum it up, honestly, is they just don't have the horses. But we're like nowhere close to having conversations based on like is Trevor Lawrence losing the Jaguars games. Like that's like not even close to the case at all. He's part of the losing because obviously, as you're saying, the turnovers aren't helping. But like, he's nowhere close to being. I don't know the the main. Yeah, actor. like like context is needed for turnovers. You know, like we when you I, the Buccaneers what scored a touchdown I think on all three of his turnovers on Sunday. So when you look at it that way, yeah, them turning the ball over is losing them games. I don't think Trevor alone is. It's not like he, it's like they're not like Zach Wilson interceptions where you're like, okay, where the hell was that actually supposed to go to? Like you can tell watching the games that something was off. You could tell when Parker Washington and Calvin Ridley were standing right next to each other on that first interception that yeah. somebody did something wrong. And you could yeah. tell after the Evan Ingram interception that something he was wrong. That's and that's where I, I disagree with people is I I'm not trying to say like Oh, Trevor's playing well. It's just you need to add context. And you can say turnovers are killing the offense. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is killing the offense. I, I'd i honestly think it would do a lot of people good to see C.J. Beathard start a full game for the Jaguars. <laughs> then like, you can really, like, see what kind of difference it makes because I think it'd be, it'd be a big one. Like, if you put an average quarterback on this Jaguars team, they're a five-win, six-win team in my opinion. They're, they're picking the top six. I mean, I feel like Jags fans shouldn't even need to watch CJ Beathard. We just watched Gardner Minshew, Blake Bortles, et cetera, et cetera, all these just brutal quarterbacks. And then, like, just got to use your eyes. Don't don't watch the box score. Like, I don't really even know what else to say. They don't watch. I don't even know what yeah. else to say about this game. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was a very pointless, like, game. Like, like I said, it, you could tell it was over after the first quarter. You, you know, like that just wasn't the game they were going to win, which I don't know. It, we'll talk about the Panthers like on Friday, but it's just, it's, it feels like a lifeless team right now. I think, like I said, I put most of the blame on how they constructed the roster this offseason. And I, I told me something, they didn't do nothing. Okay. They added Calvin Ridley. Is Calvin Ridley the difference between a nine and eight team and going to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. They they changed kickers and they changed right tackles. That's it. What else do they actually do this offseason? That to me is why they lose games like this. So that that's really all I have to, you know, say on the offense. Like I I thought Elijah Cooks had a nice drive. I'm pretty positive that 23 yard catch he had wasn't even intended for him, but it was also the, the, the like deep dig route? Yeah. What was it meant to go to him or Parker? I feel like there was nowhere else, no one else in the area from what Mark, I remember. Parker was right there. Uh, was 
was Parker running the clear out route? Because I thought it was a pretty obvious. It, like, it looked like Parker was sitting. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. But they, they 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 were incredibly close to each other, which has kind of been a a, a theme lately. So right. that, I guess that's one take. Elijah Cooks had a good game. Anton Harrison zero pressures allowed, and then his backup allowed four pressures in like a quarter and a half. So it's very clear how important Anton is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britton Strange and Tank Bixby combined for eleven snaps and zero touches. There home you run, go. home run selections there. Josh Allen had a nice game. He was against Tristan Wirfs for every snap, and Wirfs had like um, maybe like his worst or second worst game of the season. Ooh, like but that. like four pressures to Allen, three or four pressures to Allen. So Allen continued to be kind of like a one man show on the other side. I thought it was interesting that like Elijah Cooks had that one really nice drive where I had three catches and two first downs, and then I feel like he didn't play again after that. Yeah, it's not like he was. Uh, it wasn't even he wasn't targeted again after that. I, I'm pretty sure. He'd, I'd love to see him many snaps he played in the second half because I'm not sure. He yeah, I think I saw something earlier that said he's had nine snaps the whole game, and I feel like that was all on one drive. He had, I think, 14, and he ran nine routes. So he had like 4.22 yards per catch, and they had four different pass catchers have less than a yard. I mean, no, 4.22 yards per route. And they had four different pass catchers, ETN, Jones, Washington, Agnew, all have under one yard per route ran. So it, very clearly, like, those four weren't offering anything, you know, in the passing game. ETN, I think you can excuse a little bit because running backs run so many check down routes and stuff that they're not even looked at on. But, like, Jones, Washington, Agnew were just, like, NPCs for the game. So, right. guess you got anything else on the offense for us, buddy? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Okay, we'll be right back over to defense. Okay. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right, Gus. Now the defense. It. Oh, how they have fallen! Man, they, how they, they Pour one out. One. Pour one out for the Mike Caldwell masterclass. I. I can confidently say I don't think the Jaguars have to worry about replacing him in the offseason anymore, but. Man, it it is wild to me that a defense can look so so competent against a top five player in the NFL and Lamar Jackson a week previously, and then the next week going against a quick game merchant and Baker Mayfield, and he just absolutely completely shreds them. Like it, it was, it, it was that kind of game for me because they had the defense healthy too. Andre Siska was in. Tyson Campbell was back. Devon Hamilton and Foley Fadakasi played. They had all of their players, but Baker, 26 for 35, 283 yards, and two touchdown passes. He he, he just diced them up. It, I mean, this defense looks like defense I think people expected them to be coming into the season. Like I think I, pre- I, I predicted before the season that they'd have a bottom five pass defense. They looked incredible 
in the first half of the season as a pass defense. Now they just look lifeless. Like I like they're not contesting anything. They're struggling a lot against screens, and it seems like offenses kind of are keying in on that. Like first play of the game was like a nine yard gain on a screen because it was obvious Antonio Johnson was blitzing. Mm-hmm. Tyson Campbell gave up two touchdowns, including one where he just got absolutely bullied by Mike Evans in the end zone. Uh, Andre Cisco isn't really, you know, hasn't really made a play since injury started, like started with him in week seven against New Orleans. It feels like the defense is just a complete shell of what we saw in the first half. And then per PFF, they had the second most missed tackles of the Peterson, Mike Caldwell era on Sunday with 15. 15 missed tackles in the NFL game is insane. They somehow had 17 in that like 10 to 6 loss to Houston in week five last year. Houston scored one touchdown. How do you miss 17 tackles that game? But they missed 15 this game. And several of those were like along the defensive line, but like even on the first drive, you know, they get a chance to get off the field in third down. Foyer Luacon misses a tackle in the middle of the field and guy gains 15 yards. Like that just to me sums up what this defense looks like right now. Yeah, I don't even like know where to assign the blame for this because like it feels like each unit, the defensive line, linebackers and secondary have just like regressed since the start of the season. Certainly, like, injuries have played a part, especially in the secondary. Like, you said that the Jags went into the game healthy, but, like, obviously Tyson Campbell has not really been healthy all season. And then, and like, that was pretty apparent on Sunday. And then I think you can say that Cisco um, and then clearly Devon Hamilton aren't where they would ideally be. Like, I feel like Ham honestly got outplayed by Gotsis and Roy Robertson-Harris on Sunday. And, like, Trayvon had a sack, but was like, <laughs> I like, wish, I wish we could play that sack back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I put out, pulled up, I, I put out the pressure stuff from PFF, and like for the record, you know that Arden Key is like forty sixth and forty third, like in that range for all of these like stats. Uh, so. In pressures, Josh Allen, among 123 players, is fourth. In pressures, sixth in win rate. Great season. Trayvon Walker, 81st in win rate. Caleb on 99th in win rate. DeWan Smoot, 114th in win rate. And if you're even thinking, you know, maybe that's skewed a little bit, let's look at true pass sets. You know, you take out the gimmicky, non-real stuff like RPOs and screens. Josh Allen, second in win rate. Trayvon, 70, 70th. Chase on 85th. Smooth, 110th. Nobody wins up front other than Josh Allen. Like, I, I, yeah, when you were talking about the arrogant general managing earlier, I was, I just kept thinking about like how Bonky was saying, like, oh, yeah, Smoot and Devon Hamilton are going to be our pass rush. Like, we're comfortable with those two. Like, come on now. We knew that was ridiculous at the time, but like, it's even more ridiculous now that neither of them have done much at all. I firmly believe they saw Arden Key had four and a half sacks last year and thought we won't really miss that. And that's not to say Arden Key is Lawrence Taylor or anything like that, but you you couldn't find room for Arden Key on this pass rush rotation. Even if they like kept Arden Key, like you still got to keep going. Like, do you remember the name Yasir Abdullah? Like, I just remembered it a couple hours ago. I remember I was- his. Uh, I remember his much better teammate who the Buccaneers drafted who. That's why I, 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 I thought of them. 
I'm convinced when they drafted Abdullah, people thought they were drafting that guy. <laughs> 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 I'm so excited. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They're like, oh, yeah, that small Louisville edge, golden. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, what, what a home run of a pick from the Buccaneers, which yeah, goes like goes to show, like just nobody wins up front for the Jaguars. And if I wasn't getting so gaslit by the strange and tank thing <laughs> earlier this year, I'd be furious at getting gaslit over the Trayvon discourse. I think he's gotten better, but get real, people. <laughs> Come on. Get, get real. He's, I know, he has more sacks than Aiden Hutchinson. I shamelessly put that stat out there on Sunday because technically right, but right. Hutchinson, Hutchinson has more pressures than Josh Allen this year. He's one of only three players who does. I was going to say, I feel like like the biggest argument for Walker right now is just like, who would you have picked over him? Just because like, I mean, obviously Hutchinson, like there, you can come up with a lot of names, but like. I was going to say, how much time you got? Like no one from that draft class is like a J.J. Watt or like uh, Miles Garrett or anything. So like just the fact that like there's not like a bit extremely glaring. Like I don't like I think Hutchinson should have been first, but like I don't think it's like outrageously glaring. I'm just saying like is the only thing like making it still give, providing cope. Right, so from the first round alone, I would have okay. taken Hutch, Derek Stingley, Sauce Gardner, Jake London, Charles Cross, Tibbs? Wilson, Chris, not Charles Cross. I'm saying, what about uh, Tibbs? Thibodeau. No, he, his numbers are terrible this year. Okay. Um, like he 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 has one of the worst win rates in the NFL, despite having 13 and a half sacks. He's an unblocked sack merchant. Um, Chris Olave. Kyle Hamilton. So that's eight. By like, first overall. Holy cow, that guy's good. Yeah. So that's eight by like pick 15. Um, Trent McDuffie, Tyler Smith, Tyler Lindebaum, and George Kolaftis. And that's probably it for the first round. So he's maybe the 15th best player picked in the first round. I, I'm, I'm not going to be gaslit. I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> I'm trying to agree with you that it's bad. I'm just saying it It would be, like, historically bad, and, like, everyone would be talking about it if, like, there had been a J.J. Watt coming out of that class. I think it's bad that nobody talks about it. Okay. It, 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 such a – I'm trying to think of the best, most politically correct way the phrase is. Such a irrelevant selection so far that nobody talks about it. Has the number one pick been talked about less? Arrogant would be a pretty good word for that selection, too. But I know that I'm going to be fed to talking points all offseason that, no, it was a good pick. He's improving. Seven sacks, et cetera. No, I I won't be gaslit. He he has improved. I wouldn't say he's an average pass rusher yet, which, again, goes into a lot of, like, their issues. Like, you look at the last couple draft classes, Trayvon at one. Trading up for Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd started off really hot, but since the cast came on, it came off. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, right. The like back neck roll. Yeah, I don't... both injuries. When he's got to get nicked up again. Yeah, so he was playing really well during their winning streak. Since the bye week, he's played really rough. Uh, Chad Muma in the third round. Oh, brother. <laughs> Luke Fortner in the third round, and then you know, obviously this draft class. It just. 
seemed like their biggest thing was they expected, especially on defense, for a lot of guys to take the next step. And I think Trayvon has taken a step. I think Devin Lloyd has taken a step. They haven't taken these steps. Tyson Campbell hasn't taken a step. Injuries have basically, you know, his year has basically been pointless. Same with Andre Sisco. Two guys who they were really hoping would take big steps this year. You know, just haven't. So they were putting all their chips in on all these young guys developing, and it just hasn't happened. And there's just no one developing behind them either. It's like even like, again, like even if you have injuries to like a couple of your best players, and like even if like players are taking small steps like Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker, it's like what kind of steps like have we seen from like someone like Gregory Jr. or like Luke Fortner even? Like I one of my hot takes I remember from like about a year ago or probably like really early in the off season was that like the day three of the 2023 draft would be like the most important part of the off season, just because you kind of get the sense that the Jags were going to like sit around and not do anything. And like nothing's happened from like the day three picks for like the past five years from the Jaguars. It's just like from the top and the bottom of the roster, it's just not getting enough out of it. I honestly think day three has been better for them than day two this year like just like i, I tried to do a, like a rookie roundup like of each game and and like anton obviously had a good game tank and strange you know basically nothing then you move into day three ventrell ridiculous pick to begin with but he's been on ir all year anyways it's like in the best case scenario for ventrell as a pick is that he becomes a starter and plays well that means that the linebacker you traded up for sucks <laughs> like that. That already like there's literally no scenario where that's actually a good thing that, that he plays well. Uh, Tyler Lacey played 11 snaps, had a pressure and two run stops. He's honestly been one of their four to five most impressive rookies, and it has not been <laughs> an impressive rookie season from him. Which you know easy really to goes to say where there's thirteen players in the draft class. Exactly, uh, Yasir Abdullah, healthy scratch basically all year. Antonio Johnson, some promise I'd say. Uh, Perka Washington, promise ish for a six round receiver. It like I'm I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon like some people. Like I'm not trying to sound like a hater, but he's another guy who. Like we will we build a wide receiver room. Is it even in there next year? Like I think it's like fair to, you know, e- even ask that. And then Christian Braswell been hurt all year. Eric Hallett, practice squad all year. Cooper Hodges, injured reserve. Raymond Verhasek, not on any roster, let alone the Jaguars roster. Derek Parrish, the second worst player I've ever seen on the Jaguars practice field after Timmy Tebow. And then, you know, Elijah Cook's on drafted free agent. They're, I'm, I'm with you. You know, you needed a day three to stand out more. And I think Lacey has promise. I think Antonio has promise. I think Parker has some promise. Uh, Abdullah has some promise, but just not getting really anything from that group like that you need to get. You know, like, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just don't subscribe to the idea of that good teams can't have rookies make impacts. So, I mean, look at the Lions. The Lions are just good for years that the Jaguars had a year ago. And they're being, yeah. Jack Campbell was an absolutely, horrific pick but otherwise their rookie class is doing fantastic and they drafted a running back and tight end early earlier than the jags but they like 
did it correctly. Pick the like, right ones. <laughs> yeah, like they did like the contrarian thing, like the same thing as Baku, where it's like they take a tight end, a running back, and a linebacker all earlier than like most people would suggest or want. And then like the difference actually- was they actually needed a tight end. <laughs> that too. I, I I've always wondered what the strange pick means for Engram's future, even with the contract extension. Just because going back to the like Philly days, like Goddard seems like such a clear like heir to the throne for like when Ertz was gonna leave because Ertz was a lot older. And so like I don't know, like Engram was signed to an extension, but I almost feel like the extension was like had to be made because they didn't do anything else. Like imagine if they went into this season like without having locked up a long term deal with Evan Engram. That would be me absurd. I know, I know, I know his future role, but it sounds insane to say out loud for a second round pick. The what now? I I know his future role, but it's an insane thing to say out loud for a second round pick. He, he's the Luke Farrell replacement. <laughs> he's the long term Luke Farrell replacement. Yeah, they should have just signed Mercedes Lewis. Could have been easy peasy. Brother, you got Mark <laughs> Long over here. <laughs> so, I. Is there anything defense can do to pick things back up, you think? Or is it they're just so broken at the seams? Because it's the same guys that were playing well in the first half of the season. That, that to me, is what's confusing. It's the same guys. It's not yeah. like they're being derailed by injuries. They had their entire defensive depth chart, other than Christian Braswell, who hasn't played all year, healthy for this game. And they got taken to the woodshed. Like, Tampa was even kind of running the ball. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows Tampa can't run the ball. <laughs> yeah, like guys like the two starting linebackers and then like Darius Williams, I feel like is like not really impressed as much in the past month. Like it's it is so weird how like they were such a good tackling team to start the season and that's just like completely gone away. It's like and again it's like at every level too. It's not like again, like there's been injuries to the secondary, but it's not like it's been like only the secondary and you can like really point to just that. It's just, like, all over the place. It seems like a mess. And so it doesn't – like, they've got a pretty good get-right opportunity this week against another pretty bad number one overall pick. But, like, yeah, it's tough to imagine, like, how they can kind of, like, bounce back from that performance the rest of the year. Uh, I'll also say this. Their entire defensive line, Fadakasi, Hamilton, Robson Harris, on big contracts. Two first-round picks on the edge, a big-money linebacker and a first-round pick at inside linebacker, a big-money safety and a big-money corner, and then two early day three picks rounding out the secondary. They have poured a ton of resources into this defense. And while it flashed and looked very good at the start of the year, it has completely fallen apart. And I think, again, a big part of that is talent and I think there's one guy you can point the finger at, personally. The Jaguars rank second in number of cap dollars spent this season on defense behind only the Steelers. And I'd argue the Steelers are getting more bang for their buck. Because yeah, that's like that's like what, like Minka and TJ Watt and Yeah, plus they gave Smith a pretty good deal. Yeah. They've so, still got yeah. uh, Hayward roaming around. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I, I think you can say they missed on extending or paying all three of those interior defensive linemen. Maybe you can excuse Devon because of his situation. So, okay, you missed on two of the three that you paid. 
maybe miss isn't the right word for Trayvon, but you, you didn't amplify your resources at all, in my opinion. Uh, I think in terms of the money that you paid for the safety in the corner, I'm not sure you're getting much bang for your buck there. And then your other corner and your safety have been injured all year, and that's kind of made you have to use some of your depth. And, oh, look, the depth isn't very good either. <laughs> I'm pretty curious to see, like, what the mindset is for the front office in the upcoming season, like whether there's – like, basically, like, how much urgency there is, uh, especially relative to last offseason when there was zero urgency. Uh, but, like, how much they're going to be, like, hard-pressed to, like, spend a lot of money this upcoming year, even if it means that, like, they'll be in tough spots down the road. Cause like, I feel like that was like, would, would probably be like their big excuse for not spending a lot this off season is like, Oh, we don't want to like turn out like how the saints turned out and just have like a ridiculous amount of like dead money yeah. pushed in the future. And like, that's like a fair factor to like not go crazy during the 2023 off season. But like, it's not really an excuse to again, like just sit back and do nothing. And so yeah. I wonder if like after sitting back and doing nothing, if they're going to like, go full throttle or not. And and that's my retort is I don't think that they should have gone crazy spending this offseason, this last one, yeah. but I think they should have signed, kept Arden Key, don't let him leave the building. When you do let him leave the building, replace him with somebody. Like you had Jadavion Clowney literally in your facilities. Yeah. He's having a fantastic season for Baltimore right now. And then don't just waste day two of the draft. Like that, 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 their day two is absolutely nightmarish right now. It, it, you're basically saying we don't need to spend a pick in the second and third round. And no, that's not true. Like they very much needed to do that. So I, I think there are very clear ways for them to improve the defense without spending money this offseason. And to your point, I'm terrified to see what <laughs> their certainty is for this offseason. Because I, I don't know, maybe this is just me. But I'd imagine as much as I'm pointing fingers at the front office, maybe the front office is saying, you know, why aren't players, you know, doing this? Like, oh, it's not our fault Trevor keeps on the reception and people keep fumbling, et cetera, et cetera. That's not me reporting anything. I'm just saying that's how I'd imagine most NFL front offices would talk. Yeah. No, I don't know. That would be like the most interesting thing in the world to be like a fly on the wall in those situations. But true, true that. All right. You got anything else on defense, my friend? Uh, no, I don't think so. RIP the Mike Cabo hype. Maybe we'll see you again next year. It was a pleasure playing with you, and it's just me and you playing violins as the Titanic goes down. All right. I, I got one question for you, actually. Uh, okay. The Jags returned all 11 defensive starters from last year, right? Would you say uh, over or under they return? nine starters going into 2024. So like you think it's gonna be give me give me eight and a half or nine and a half. I don't I don't okay are they gonna lose more than three starters or less than three three more than three and a half starters or less than three and a half starters they're gonna lose two starters I think fought across and Jenkins I think will be showing showing the door. Yeah I was just trying to figure out like if they were going to be like so much into a sense of urgency that they like cut like the big extensions that they just did, like just to get new faces in the building. Um, but like it really, really? Be, like, it like 
it'd be nice to like see that level of urgency but then at that point like you probably are going like too over the edge and too far into like saints yeah. believe type world yeah so i'd imagine father and jenkins won't be there next year and then otherwise like devon and devon i feel like we'll get them all again because this year really isn't his fault you know like it, it, it it's not like he's one of the other two interior defense linemen who just hasn't played well because he just say, maybe probably same for Tyson, right? What do you say Tyson's in? Yeah. A yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think Tyson's as bad as he's playing right now. I, I, I think this is just a wasted year for him. Same for Cisco. Darius Williams. I mean, you probably save some money if you walk away from him because I'm not sure how much badly you want to open a hole at, yeah, at corner. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance to get rid of Foyer because he's not worth, I think, what he'll be making next year. But just in terms of, like, how much he does for the defense off the field, I don't imagine they'd let him walk. Devin Lloyd. The bigger hole. Yeah. As long as people be in bulky ball, Devin Lloyd will (laughs) will still be in that world. Not going to give up on him. Trayvon's not going anywhere, obviously. Uh, Josh Allen, I think, will be the Evan Ingram of this offseason where – He's set to be a free agent, but he won't ever actually spend a day as a free agent. And, yeah, so I, two, maybe three. I, I think the big things you need to change are, like, the depth. Like, you need to rebuild the depth of the interior line, like replace Ledbetter and Blackson and, obviously, Fatakasi. And you need to rebuild the edge depth because Chase on and Smooth just aren't delivering. Yeah, and then you're going to need a starting safety. I'm interested to see like how many resources they kind of put into that because I feel like like safety is kind of like a underpaid or like under resourced whatever position, uh, which is like fair because it's like not as important as quarterback and other positions and stuff. It's probably closer to the bottom of the spectrum, but like good safeties can have a really big impact. And I feel like like linebacker is kind of like the key position in a Mike Caldwell defense probably as well as defensive line but then like i feel like second like the safeties are probably more important than the corners in my caldwell scheme might be a hot take but i mean i'm interested to see if they like go after like a really good safety or if they're just gonna sit back and be like antonio johnson let's see what you got that that's my take i, I think antonio johnson is that guy i i, I think they're gonna enter the offseason with him as the presumed starter and then that's what do you do it what do you do at nickel i'd say still Honestly, Trey Harden. <laughs> yeah, he's been like one of the best mo- or most consistent players this season. That, that's another thing I won't be gaslit on. People keep tweeting at me saying, you told us Antonio Johnson wasn't a nickel. They are rotating him out on obvious passing downs for Trey Harden. He's literally a run specialist in the slot. He is not a nickel. Leave me alone. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. I, I, it's somebody like asked me, like, why is Herndon keep rotating in there? Like, do you want Antonio Johnson coming with Scotland? Is that what you want to see? Like, yeah, yeah. of all things to be about, that should not be one of them. Yeah. So, all right, we're gonna break real quick, and then we'll be back for Gus's favorite segment. <laughs> Here we go, Gus. Oh boy. Get out the trophy case, baby. Oh god. I'm gold. Yep. You ready? Game I, ball. Thirty yeah. to twelve loss. Absolutely unwatchable game. Thirty to zero in the third quarter. Game ball. Go. <laughs> All right. Starting off with offense, going with Elijah Cooks. First career reception 
he I'm had, not even going to make fun of you this time. He had the most efficient day by pretty much any Jaguars player, but especially any pass catcher. Again, like three three catches on three targets, I believe, for 40-something yards on nine routes run. So uh, I thought I thought like Parker Washington was going to need to step up this game and ended up being Elijah Cooks. And so he gets my game ball. He uh, had the best yards per route ran, ran of any Jaguars receiver in a game this year other than Christian Kirk, 26 yards per route against <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals. We're not going to count that one. <laughs> what a stat. Oh, here we go. I, I somebody I said somebody tweeted at me. Christian Kirk is showing he's the MVP of this offense simply by not being present. I said this is just Gus Logue explaining his game balls to me every week. Yep, <laughs> he showed up. Here's an award. <laughs> These are basically just participation trophies for me. Okay, my offense. I'm going with Calvin Ridley. I I don't care what the score was. That play he made on his first touchdown, like that acceleration on the broken route, was. Terrific. I thought he had a fine game. Like a, pe- People love to complain about him. I thought Cotman had a good game. The acceleration was nice. The Him holding onto the ball with the con- – like he had a pretty big hit. On we the got first. destroyed, dude. Yeah. So like, I, like, I mean, he should hold onto the ball, but good job holding onto the ball. And then yeah. the second touchdown, too, I thought was impressive. Like I feel like that was the only uh, fade route from like a wide alignment by a receiver that's been successful this season. And so like – it was. It kind of sucks that Lawrence didn't throw it, but it was still cool to see it really win on just like one of those end zone back shoulder fades, as inefficient as it was, like, or as they are in general. Like, it was just cool to see because I don't know. It was a touchdown and it was late in the game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Defense. We can't give it to anybody but Josh Allen. Actually, I'll take that back. You can go ahead and give yours to Josh Allen. Okay. You, you, you said worst had one of his worst games of the year. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I I don't know who had like the other pressure and quarterback hit, but Allen definitely had like most of the production and like just by the stats and the numbers, he was pretty cool. It, clearly, the best player on the Jags defense. Yeah. But who do you have? Real quick, what kind of game? Yeah, worst had. Yeah, four pressures allowed. Tied for the most pressures he's allowed in a game this year. And then he had two hits allowed, which is tied for the most allowed this year. But I, I know Allen only had one of those hits. I forget who yeah. had the other. Anyway, Allen had, like, the best day, I thought. Adam Gotsis. He Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that was, solid, that was solid, in the, yeah. solid in the run game. Had a big pass deflection in the first drive, which I think you pointed out. It was probably a touchdown if he doesn't get his paws up. So yeah, yeah. Let's. It feels like a very uh, dude. I, okay, he had three pass deflections. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the one. I know he had like a couple pressures too. I, I remember another one later in the game, but I, <laughs> I didn't know he had three. That's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. So Adam Gossis. Adam Gossis. No, he was like the only other player I even like thought about before just going with Josh Allen. So I think that's Adam Adam Gossis and Trey Herndon combined for five pass breakups. The other dozen or so players who play defense combined for zip. Trey Herndon and Adam Gossis, the glue guys. <laughs> Those are the two <laughs> most like glue guys that a glue guy can be too. Just, <laughs> they keep surviving every team, every staff. They keep 
knock them down they keep coming back the hell up good for them man good for them (laughs) they're gonna be here in 2030 they're gonna be starting for god who's who's a young up-and-comer like um deuce gruden when he said coach for oh. <laughs> okay. no. all right special teams game ball i'm ready to balky ball you do you have one for me yeah, this is this one this one's tough so okay let's by process of elimination it can't be mcmanus because he missed another kick so that leaves me with Logan Cook and Jamal Agnew, I feel like, because they are the only ones that like really affect the ball or special teams a lot. And off the top of my head, the only player I remember from either of them making is Jamal Agnew had a decent return on the first kickoff. So my game ball is going to Jamal Agnew on this one. Logan Cook had a 65-yard punt. Get ball. Man, Man. I knew I was gonna I knew whoever I chose was gonna be the wrong one. I knew no, no, just that one was the wrong one. <laughs> Just, just that one, my friend. Just that one. All right. You, you have any hot takes after after what we saw? I want to hear them. Yeah. Speaking of glue guys, I think Cam Robinson is kind of the glue guy for the offense. Uh, the Jags are six and two with when he plays and starts a game, and they're one and six without him. And they have like off the top of my head, I think it was a plus thirty four point different differential with him, and then without him, it's minus forty three. So he's been a pretty big deal. And I think, like, I, I kind of almost forgot about him until Doug's press conference today. But he said that he's expecting Cam to be activated from, like, the 21-day practice period off of injured reserve. And he thinks he's going to practice tomorrow, which I would assume gives him a pretty good chance to play on Sunday. I also thought it was interesting. I think – tell me if I read this wrong, but I think Doug was saying that Ezra Cleveland is probably going to start at left guard, and then Walker Little will be the swing tackle if Cam does return to be left tackle on Sunday. Yeah, no, I, I I'd say that is absolutely like the most likely path. Just Walker just isn't a natural guard. You know, he's a tackle, and it just they're not going to play him. Like if they have him and Cam Robinson both available, they're always it seems like at least this year going to play Cam Robinson and Anton is. Like I said, their best and most consistent lineman right now, which is funny to say because he cannot run block at all. But he's still—he's—I I keep tweeting out how good he is as a pass blocker, and I keep getting replies like, "Oh, can you? How's his run blocking?" I'll hang up and listen. It's bad, okay? It's bad. Would you feel better though if I said the rookie right tackle was a good run blocker, or a bad pass blocker? I don't—I don't think so. I think you'd much rather him be good at pass blocking as a rookie, right? Especially when you have a franchise quarterback on your team, but even yeah. if like they still had Minchie, like you'd still rather be like your tap will be a better pass protector. Yeah, um, so, um, so I, I expect that to be the line. I've, I've had some people ask me if Anton has any left tackle potential, and it's no. Like he he was viewed as a right tackle early on in the process for a reason, and he had like some right tackle traits at Oklahoma, like just the way he like plays and what he's comfortable with. So even though he played left tackle for Oklahoma, he graded out and I believe projects better as a right tackle. So I wouldn't even think about moving. I just, you have your right tackle for the next three years on a rookie contract. That's, you know, just be happy with that is what I think. Yeah. Well, my takes. Just to put it like pen on paper or whatever, my hot take was going to be that uh, 
Cam wouldn't allow any pressures to Brian Burns. The, the Burns Ooh. actually Burns lines up on the other side way more often, especially after the Panthers buy. He's been like exclusively uh, left outside linebacker, so lining up going to be lining up across from right tackle Anton Harrison a lot on Sunday. So instead, I'll say Cam Robinson is going to have a big pancake on a ETN touchdown off a screen. How many pressures will Anton allow to Brian Burns? I'm going to say one. Ooh, that's a, I'd say that's a good game. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I feel like Burns, the Panthers defense has been like kind of like outplayed themselves this year because I don't know how to pronounce their defensive coordinator's name, but he's a really good coach. And Burns, Burns is like, it's like not the way that the Jaguars are where like Josh Allen is one man show. Like Burns is definitely the best defender on that defense, but he doesn't like do it completely by himself. My hot take is, and the way to fix the Jaguars is strip Press Taylor of play calling in the offseason. You don't have to, I don't think Doug's ever going to fire him. I, like the heels are so dug in on that situation that he's literally like implanted like a statue in the ground. So Doug, take back play calling duties, replace the general manager, in my opinion, and go and find in the in the draft and free agency an interior offensive lineman, two rotational interior defensive linemen, and a pass rusher. And there you go. Jaguars are fixed. You're welcome. I'll uh any any big wigs out there listening, you can come to me for consultation services. I can, <laughs> I've been I've been tweeting out the ways to fix the Jaguars for years now. So Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I think like definitely in terms of like player positions to bring in like you got to focus on the trenches on both sides of the ball uh and I, th- I think like the only thing i would add to that is that like the center position needs to change like like it's been two years like i, I i've seen enough you gotta move on like, it, it two years should be long enough for you to be able to move on from a third round pick yeah and that's what i was gonna say like it's a third round pick like maybe if it was tyler linderbaum and he drafted him in like in the 20s and like then you're like okay like he was like this great prospect. Maybe he'll turn it around. The thing was like Billy Price with the Bengals was like a similar like situation. Like I think right. Frank Ragnow, like the Bengals are trying to pick Ragnow and he went a couple picks before them. So they like panicked and took the next center, Billy Price. And he was absolutely horrific, but they kept trotting him out like year after year because you put a Trump pick into him. I agree. It's a third round pick. You, you should be able to go into year three, you know, like you're not wearing that much egg on your face, you know, if you replace him. But again, goes to my general manager point. You know, like, pick better players. Fine, bye. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, Gus, you got anything else for us, my friend? No, uh, that was a good little therapy session. Excited to see you again on Friday. <laughs> Excited to do it again on Friday. You hear the excitement in my voice? I think my my the favorite thing or the best thing that happened. My my favorite story from Christmas is that uh, my girlfriend's cousin was, like, opening a present, and it was, like, a nice hoodie. And he said, oh, I like this hoodie. And he, like, the way he, the way he said it, you knew that he, like, genuinely liked it. But he said it in just, like, such a dull tone that, like, we kept making fun oh. of it at the end of the night. Like, oh, I like this gift. So that's how I feel about, like, coming back to talk about the Jaguars again on Fridays. I'm excited to see you on Friday, John. Did you get my gift? Uh, I did not. It hasn't come in the mail. Nah, it, you'll get it. 
It's is a, it one of these? No. <laughs> it's a Trevor Etienne Gators jersey. Oh. It's your guy. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come on. You you know I don't care enough about the Gators to, like, put up any kind of fight. No. You are, like, the embodiment of all Gators fans. Like, just in, like, one human vessel for me. And I just <laughs> have to give every take I have against all of them and yeah. use it on you. Because you're, you're, you're the only – thing i have around me it's like i'm, I'm no i get it i just i just don't care we're gonna have to like come up with some kind of bet for next year though since the gators and the knights play we'll have to do something for that then then you play those will get hurt play we'll <laughs> <laughs> be on a football field but <laughs> i don't know i'm looking forward to it yeah ucf's epic collapse against known powerhouse georgia tech left me wheeling gus 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 yes. gus that's me when you're not on the podcast. <laughs> All right. With that said, thank you guys for joining us. Episode 81. Who would have thought? John Shipley, Gus Logue. We got bulky bald. We we fucked out our chest. I, I definitely have a lot of takes out there that if somebody wants to be a jackass, they can go ahead and dunk on me for specifically my reactions to George Pickens. And then in the in the training camp, and I said Tank was having a good camp, which he was. Fine by, well, wasn't he? Am I yeah, crazy for that? Much of it was before pads, and then pads came on, and people were like, "Yeah, he's like still doing well." But it like most of the hype, I feel like, was like before pads, and it was just like, "Oh, this kid looks athletic." Wow, true. That's when your guys shine. Before pads come on, <laughs> Who, who's your guy? I guess I was about to Give say your guy. The guy. You you need a guy like I'll I'll, I'll say right now Trey Herndon is one of my like I I'm a big yeah. Trey Herndon fan. Right. Who's your Who's your guy? I don't know because like the guy I always like stand at the most for is the quarterback because like that's the position I like the most yeah. and like doesn't know, count. But like I know like that doesn't count because it needs to be like Cam Robinson, blue guy. Yeah, <laughs> Cam Robinson's your guy. All right, that's that's not a bad one. Okay, so for every pressure Cam Robinson gets, I'm going to make your life hell. <laughs> Deal? Uh, I guess. I, uh, I'm going to see All if right. I can get a little bit better. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Ezra Cleveland's your guy. No. <laughs> can't, just real quick, he's been bad, right? Cisco's my guy. I've, I've always liked Cisco. I believe but, that. You know, I, I can have one guy on each side, maybe. Cisco and Cam. So, Double the opportunity to make fun of me. So, so since this is the podcast for me to say Trent Baalke's been done a bad job this year, as with Cleveland, like he hasn't been good, right? He's been no. bad, right? I so I thought he was bad when the trade first happened, and then I like dug into some film, and I thought, oh, this is actually like pretty solid. But I think there's like a pretty big difference in Press Taylor's scheme and Kevin O'Connell's scheme. Like Kevin O'Connell was a really good offensive play caller and coach, and I think that like might have had like a little bit of an impact on like the three games that I watched. And so, yeah, like he hasn't been, been barched, but he certainly hasn't been like, he he has two games in the four game losing streak where he's given up six or more pressures, which is insane for a guard. He gave up six pressures against the Bengals and then seven pressures on Sunday. Seven pressures (laughs) for a guard. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Him oh, and Walker, him and Walker, little combined for twelve. So that's just twelve pressures along the left side. Oh man, 
my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. that's that took trading for a guard instead of a pass rusher, I think is another ding against your guy. <laughs> it's funny because like Doug was asked today about like whether he thought the offensive line was good enough going into the season. And he's like, uh yeah. Um we I mean we did have to trade for Ezra Cleveland, but yeah, no, I thought the whole time we were okay. <laughs> did you see his face when uh somebody started to ask the question about Trevor's comments about not practicing? He won the lap. Did you not see his face? Because I literally put my hands over my own face and like was he, just. I, I don't remember his exact wording. He's basically like, "Well, I get why he said that. He he, he doesn't practice." <laughs> yeah, he kind of like <laughs> yeah, he like yeah. laughed it off and gave a good answer. But yeah, I was I was cringing a little bit. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. It's hard for you to just make that comment if you're literally not practicing, but also. It does look like they don't practice. And Doug was like, you guys are out there. You see how we practice. I'm like, yeah, I know that you literally practice. Like, I'm not saying you're not holding practice. I was going to ask you about that. Like, I've only been to a handful of practices this year. And, like, granted, whenever media goes to practice, it's, like, at the beginning of practice before things really ramp up. But, like, nothing. I've never gone out there and be like, wow, these guys, like, really compete super hard. Like, I've never, like, come away with any We get out there for stretches and individual, like, the start of Indy, which is just special teams. So you get out there for stretches, and then you get out there for the quarterbacks throwing the ball through a net, and that's about the extent of it. So we are out there. I'll concede that. We do. I'll concede this. The Jaguars do hold practices. So point taken. (laughs) Point taken. (laughs) You got anything else for us? No. Um, yeah. All right. On that note, thank you guys again for joining us. Uh, hope all of you guys had a Merry Christmas. Like I said last week, we appreciate every single one of you guys who likes, listens, subscribes. Uh, all of you guys who leave a comment every single time. Gus says good morning. Oh, Gus, that, that reminds me. I, I want to pull up a comment. Okay. <laughs> I want to pull up a comment before we I haven't been mon- monitoring too closely. Oh, I, I watch it like a hawk. <laughs> See, I, I, know, that. I, I know that that's like part of in your unwritten job description. It's just something you're going to do anyway. So I got a haircut like a couple episodes ago. Somebody commented and said, John has nice hair. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Since Gus isn't here, I'll give a Gus style take. <laughs> On Tuesday at 3 a.m. in 2025, Tyson Campbell eat a bagel with no seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. They love it. That's funny. They love it. I, love it. I just got bonky balled again. You did. Bonky balled in the comment section. What a life. What a life. <laughs> Touche. That was a really good one. That was good. Yeah. Well... We'll, we'll end on that happy note. Thank you guys All again right. for listening. Our last, last thing. Cam Robinson is going to have a pancake on a Travis Etienne touchdown, and it'll be in the second quarter with six minutes left. <laughs> I know you're joking. That's literally what some of your hot takes sound like. I swear to God, that is what some of them sound like. It's I'm blaming it on you because, like, you say I have to work on my takesmanship, and then, like, that makes me think that, like, if I'm – and I guess it's more my fault, but I'm like, oh, if I'm more specific, that'll make it harder. It's not specificity. Specificity? Yeah, okay, there you go. It, <laughs> I went to OT. Don't be mean to me. Right, it's, right. It's, it's not that. It's, you gotta turn up the heat. You know? You, give me something I can sink my teeth, teeth into. Yeah, I, well, 
I did say that he was going to have a good game against Brian Burns, but then I had to kind of watch that one. No, yeah, I like that one. That, that, that was a solid one. That, that was a solid one. Yeah, so. I'll get back in the lab, John. We'll, we'll see what I can come up with on Friday. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, I, 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 I will do my best to deliver some Bryce Young ones mm. on Friday. Like, like I said, I'm com- completely expecting Bryce Young to embarrass them specifically because of me. So it's it's good stuff. But thank you guys for listening. We'll be back on Friday to preview Jaguars Panthers. Until then, this is the Jaguar Report podcast. You've all been bulky bold. <laughs>